We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to Striking Gold, your 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. This week's episode is sponsored by TickPick, which should be your first choice to buy football tickets because they save fans money by never charging any service fees ever. TickPick is the exclusive ticketing partner for the Striking Gold podcast and the Blue Wire Network. My name is Rob Lauder. I cover the 49ers for you fine folks and the B-Dub. Joining me tonight is not my co-host, because being successful and working hard is frowned upon by some, none other than KP Kyle Posey making his heroic return to the Striking Gold podcast. Big virtual digital hug. What's up, bro? I love that intro. Yeah, big time. Uh, Virtual shake. We can do all those uh, gifts where they're doing all those crazy handshakes. How are you, Rob? <laughs> I love that, bro. That was, whatever room you're in just had like a, the slightest amount of echo, and it just sounded perfect, dude. It sounded perfect. <laughs> I'm doing uh, I'm doing good, man. Um, getting towards... Dude, I mean, the, the biggest highlight of my life right now is the fact that, I mean, you know where I live and where I come from. Like, it's starting to get to the point where I, we're at like highs of 78, highs of 75. Football is so much more fun in those conditions. You know this. Um, we're slowly creeping towards my favorite time of the year. Obviously, I'm a big Halloween guy. Thanksgiving, hanging out with family. You know, I, I'm in a good mood, man. It's tough to put me in a bad mood right now. What about what about you, bro? How's your uh, How's your football team doing? Are you real quick? Are you a pumpkin patch guy, dude? Of course, man. Of course. Okay. Yeah, they have those all around me, so I've been going to those with the child. Um, it's funny I, you ask that, and I say that because we went to Costco the other day, and they had a giant things of pumpkins for like four ninety nine, and I was like, I'll just get them here, <laughs> and we got like five or six of them, you know, to put randomly throughout the house. But I think we decided that even though we've already got pumpkins, we might go to like an old school patch anyways, just because it's fun. 
my football team is doing very well. We are 5-0. and This team has never in school history won more than seven games. So things are going well. How many well. total do you play? So we have 10. And okay. I, I, maybe nine, maybe 10, actually. I don't know. I, I'm one of those guys. <clears throat> excuse me. One game at a time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm a, we're, we're on to Cincinnati. <laughs> right. Right. Um, so by the time you're listening to this, we are number eight in the state. We play number 14. Fucking A, tonight. bro. Let's go. So, yeah, man. It's going really well. It's really fun. Now, have any of these games been close? Not one. Um, no, we had one that was, I think, 47-34, the first game. Other okay. than that, we've been pretty much just housing people. Well, and you always you never really know what you're going to get in that first game anyways. You know Whether it's going to be really, really good or – whether you're going to have a ton of stuff to work on, it's it's always a weird time. We were up 24-0 and then just, you know, take your foot off the gas. Oh, so you pulled a, a 49ers against the line. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> I knew you had that tweet that had me busting up where you're like, hey, we have – this is what happens when you have really good football players or whatever you said. Oh, yeah. But it was yeah. way better said than that. But oh, No, it, it's great because these kids were – they did not win a game as freshmen. And they've won, I think, like five games in the past two years. So, um, so they've not, earned it. They have, yeah. It's, now, what's the great. obviously the easy thing is coaching. What's the what's the difference? I mean, at this high, is because high school, it's, it's my weird. first year of coaching. That's the only reason why. Because yeah, KP's out there, bro. <laughs> high no, school is weird, though, dude. Like the the change in their body from mm-hmm. freshman to junior, senior. Like, dude, we had guys that in eighth grade never saw the field. Like, just because they just weren't good enough that ended up being absolute studs like go-to players in high school yeah it's crazy because you can grow like four or five inches from junior to senior year or from sophomore to junior year add like 10 to 15 pounds i think it's as simple as just buying in and taking the weight room and of course listening to your coaches right yep it is sometimes it is really that simple man and it's uh like my quarterback that i coached two years ago dude that He's really good at baseball. I'm not sure he's going to fully commit to football because he's also really good at baseball. But a, a guy that I'm convinced could could get some serious college scholarships at some serious schools, and you know, always could always have a shot at the league. You never know; it just depends on how it goes. Uh, he was like five ten when I was coaching. Not maybe not even that five nine when I was coaching him. But for an eighth grader, that's pretty big. Five eight, five nine, somewhere in there. You know, it uh, is for sure. And now he's a sophomore, and I've watched him play a couple times, and I think now he's like 6'2". And I was like, bro, I just saw you like two years ago. What the <laughs> hell is this? And, uh, yeah, he's still slinging it. So it's from my age to your age, it's just the weirdest time. Because I'll have dudes come up to me and be like, Mr. Louder. And I'll be like, bro, like I see you, but I see a man. <laughs> like I, can, I know who it is, but the, the difference in, in – just did the you, person. Did you grow a mustache? <laughs> right. And when did you become taller than me? And I'm like 6'1". I'm not small, but some of these dudes just are massive. And they have so much muscle. And you're like, bro, what is this? Just don't even know how to like react. But so anyways, well, keep me updated on the team, man. 5-0. and are, Now, is there is there – you said – you did you just say that you're about to play a really good team? Yeah, so we play a team that, you know, has really good players. Um, not like <laughs> us, and yeah, they're they're ranked in the state too. So uh, this is supposed to be the biggest test, but that, they said that last week, and we 
did not do poorly. 15 to nothing. Ew. That sucks for those guys. Running clock in like the fourth quarter? Yes, the best. <laughs> the best. Let's get out of here, man. Let's go eat. Um, that's great, man. What do you? What does the other team do that you're like remotely afraid of? They have a guy who just got offered by a D1 school. And when they when he gets like – I mean, you know high school, um, when you have a stud, his highlights are just almost obnoxious where he's making guys miss all that. So they have a dude, and he's going to be very tough to stop. He, Rally he was, the uh, ball. He was – this team, their track team went – this is the type of research that I do. Uh, their track team went to the Nationals for a 4 by one and he was uh, one of the runners on that team. So you have an idea of how fast he is. Yeah. Right, right. Well, that's going to be fun, man. I guess I'm more excited to talk about your football team than <laughs> the 49ers is what I'm saying. Now, here's one thing I want to get out there because I did get a tweet asking, like, if I'm okay, the podcast has been a little bit of a downer. One, the 49ers have, like, just lost hella games. <laughs> Three straight, right? So Three in a row. Right? Um, it's hard to make it positive. I do, I do need to try and spice things up. Even when I'm shitting on the team, I've got to try and do it in an upbeat way. But talking about the 49ers lately has been – like kind of tough wouldn't you agree yeah absolutely man just because they should be winning and i think that's why people are so frustrated with you know everything when you look at every position they should be doing better and when we came into this year everyone talked about them being almost like a shoe in to make the playoffs which they hadn't earned that benefit of the doubt guilty and as charged for me no same and w- when you talk about their win total was like 11 get like 10 or 11 games so when you look at all those things, when you when you think that, you know, they're going to, quote unquote, run it back with all the players that got them to the playoffs in 2019, you thought that, you know, they'd be able to basically roll the ball out and win. And ooh-wee, has that not happened? <laughs> no, it hasn't. And and somebody else tweeted to me saying, oh, I think it was in the same tweet maybe, about asking how I was, but also saying expectations were high, too high. And I would argue – no, they were not. The expectations were about right where there should be. You know, most of the, because I would, if you were to average out expectations, I'd say playoffs was kind of the expectation. I, you know, was, were they better than the 2019 team? Were they a Super Bowl team? Were they a wild card type team? I think the, a solid, you know, and a reasonable expectation was playoffs. And they're not, I don't think those expectations are too high. The team's just underperforming. A hundred percent. And again, when you go down the line, you can say this person's underperforming. You can say this person's underperforming. When you look at the coaching staff, you could say this person is underperforming. So there's definitely... uh, (laughs) Right, right. There are definitely plenty of fingers to point, and it doesn't come down to just one person. But, I mean, there's a reason that they are two and three, and a lot of it does come back to just not doing what they're supposed to do, whether it's shooting themselves in the foot uh, making things as hard as possible on themselves. Um, just the, the whole complimentary football thing does not exist for the 49ers. No, and I think that's a good point because if – and this is not necessarily a cop-out because game. this is how in the NFL season – this is how NFL seasons go year to year. It's not like a, a rare thing. But, I mean, the 49ers are some stupid mistakes away from being, what, five and or four and one? Am I doing the math right? Like they lost to the Packers to a last second field goal due to some poor clock management and then just letting Devontae Adams march himself right down the field. And then they made a last second field goal. 
Now there are many other things throughout these games that that you know it all adds up. It's all a snowball. But you know they sh- they could have very easily beaten the Packers. They could have very easily beaten the Cardinals. They could have the, the Seattle game seemed a little you know less close. You know they did kind of pull it within a score there at the end, but just seemed less close. But uh, the 49ers could very easily be four and one. It, it's just the shooting themselves in the foot thing. Yeah, if they score on the first drive last week, they probably win the game because their offense probably gets a lot more confidence. And even throughout the game, they had plenty of other opportunities to score. The defense gifted the ball to them at midfield. And one, two, three, four. Now the defense is right back on the field. So I know, man. Yeah, the, the offense is just not held up there into the bargain. Yeah. So, I mean, that's kind of – I think that's a good opening for kind of just our general, like, thoughts on the 49ers right now. I, w- I would definitely not secede that – the, the expectations are too high. The expectations should remain exactly where they were at the start of the season uh, because this team is that talented. They had an incredible offseason, re-signed a shit ton of free agents that nobody thought they had a chance at re-signing. They have the best left tackle in football on the team right now. You know, uh, I'll, I'll, you could go through the whole roster and talk about what they have that they should. It's very clear that they're underperforming. And what's funny, too, is like one of the biggest liabilities we thought this team was going to have is like corner. And to me, that is like the furthest thing from my mind at this point. Like, yeah, the corners aren't good, but they're not just consistently getting victimized. Like, there's so many other problems on this team that like have have bumped themselves up in priority over a weak corner group that I'm like, (laughs) like, I don't know. It's not obviously not a blessing because the team's losing, but it's just to me been like foreshadowed by the crazy amount of other problems that we didn't expect that have come up. Yeah, just talking about the corners, just think about some of the plays that the Cardinals made last week. So DeAndre Hopkins makes a back shoulder fade catch down the sideline with Josh Norman all over him. And yeah, he got called for DPI, but he's right in position. Um, Kyler Murray runs around, throws the ball to Dante Johnson. It was called holding, so luckily it didn't didn't count. But again, it was another like miracle pass. And then near the goal line, Norman, again, he's in position to make a play, but just DeAndre Hopkins is one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. So right. uh, the other team is just making plays. Same with Devontae Adams, same with Seattle. So, like, their guys are essentially just winning more one-on-ones, but the, it's not like the 49ers aren't in position. But, again, like you said, you can go down the list and you would not rank the, the problems at cornerback um, near, like, the top five. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, if, yeah, if I had to list five, like true, well and true problems with the 49ers right now, a corner would probably be on the list if you had five, but it wouldn't be one, two or three, you know, maybe it would be five. It's just some of the things go way deep, deeper too, to like maybe the foundation of the team. Right. It's like, I, I'm not even sure right now that a certain position group is the problem when it just seems deeper than that. Like, the 49ers just have some problems that they got to get ironed out, you know, internally, really. That's all it seems like. It's, it, it seems like it even goes further than the field. Like there's just some stuff going on in that building that they need to iron out, but good for them. You know, things can't always be sunshine and rainbows. Figure it out. Yeah. It was, Bigger, this season was never going to be sunshine and rainbows. And that's probably another thing when, whenever we do these off season predictions, we can make like 11 in six, I guess now. And you would think, that they're just going to go out, like I said, roll the ball out and win these games. Um, we predicted that they would have – this was supposed to be like the easy part of the schedule, right? Like the earlier early part of the season. 
And we, you never want to project these type of problems. You never want to project there's going to be a quarterback injury. Uh, certain receivers aren't going to play. Um, the defense is not going to get the same type of pass for us that you thought. The offense is going to um, get rid of the ball quicker so Nick Bosa cannot get in the backfield every play. Like those type of things uh, we never project. Right, right. All right, well, I mean, good conversation so far. This episode was – is the return – of the striking gold mailbag, which last season we used to do almost on a weekly basis. Uh, this season's just been a little bit weird, but uh, I'm going to try and bring it back at least once every, you know, every couple of weeks, maybe once a week. We'll see how it goes. Um, so let's just jump into it. We've got, I don't know, somewhere around 10 questions that you guys have fired away on Twitter. If you're not following me or KP on Twitter, do it. It's the most exciting experience you can have on the internet. Um, I'm at Rob underscore louder, L-O-W-D-E-R. And then KP is at KP underscore show. Correct. Okay, cool, cool. Dude, I love, did you see Dave Chappelle's new show? I have not watched that yet. I, you need I to watch, watch it. That You'll love it. You'll love it. You're, 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 you're intelligent enough to enjoy it without freaking out about a lack of, Never mind. I'm not going to nope. get into that. That's not what I'm, I'm going to watch it and then I'm just going to tweet all the things. Yeah. Right. But one of his best quotes from the show is he's like, Hey, I heard I got dragged on Twitter, but I don't give a shit. Cause Twitter's <laughs> not a real place. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. And I just fucking die, man. Chappelle dude, Chappelle has, has cemented himself on the uh, mountain Rushmore of comedians, man. I fucking love that man. But all right, again, I'm not going to deviate mailbag time. Let's start off with Jeffrey K. Lyles. At Lyle's Movie Files, he, he's been a regular, a fan of the show, friend of the pod for a while. It's always good to see his face pop up with a question. Shout out to you, Jeff, uh, Jeff Lyles. I feel like this is a dumb question. It's not. But why is Kyle Shanahan going so far from the run game and plays that had high success in 2019 and even some in 2020? And I... I feel like I kind of want to, while I'm talking about this, pull up the team stats, like, you know, some kind of like general rankings for the team in terms of rushing the ball. But Jeff's question really was one of my biggest questions after watching Trey Lance's debut against the Cardinals. Cause one, and, and hopefully I'm not answering another question with this, but it just seemed like Kyle Shanahan put it all on Trey Lance. Like here, man, go win us the game. And he didn't seem like like Elijah Mitchell, who looked really good, ran the ball nine times. Like he had eleven touches for five point six yards. You would think when somebody's averaging that much, that many yards, and it it wasn't as if all that came on one play. He was he had like two or three where it was like in the teens. Give him the right. ball. He right. looked good, like when he was carrying the ball, and some of those came from like, like they were like earned yards, you know, like they looked Very like plays so. that maybe we're gonna go for two or three, and he turned them into five or six. So, I honestly, I, I don't know why they've gotten so far away from the run game. And when we were talking about the problems with the Forty ers earlier, this is kind of up there. Like it seems like they're like wandering away from their identity. Even and I'm still trying to pull up like team stats as far as like how the team ranks among other teams in the NFL in terms of rushing. I'm just having a trouble finding it. Um, but it just seems like they've gotten really, really far away from what was their bread and butter all this time, and it, it, that kind of ca- is encapsulated in their last game against the Cardinals. When if you ever had enough incentive to run the ball, 
it would be when you're starting a brand new rookie quarterback that has not played much football in like two years, you would think that would be the time to run the ball. Now, they, obviously the 49ers, Trey Lance led the 49ers in carries by a lot. He had 16 and Mitchell had nine. But many of them weren't planned. They were scrambles. Right. And you're still asking your rookie quarterback to just get pounded, which he did. So I don't know, man. I, I don't really know why the 49ers have gotten so far away from the run game. I guess it would be fair to mention the injuries. Right? Yeah. You know, and they're not doing it very well. That and that's another thing. So uh, the, their rushing success rate is like only 41%, which is below league average. League average is, uh, I think, right around 45%. So uh, if you watch against Arizona, old number 69 at right tackle was getting mollywhopped by J.J. Watt. And whenever they ran it to the right side, it seemed like it was blown up. Um, I don't know, though, still. I, I think that – so that I know they ran power a little bit more. When you talk about their bread and butter uh, – they just do outside zone most of the time. So I think that they are trying to change it up. But still, even if you can't run the ball, we've seen, just like last game, throw a swing pass to Elijah Mitchell. And what does he do? He's going to get you 14 yards. And that's not going to be the case every time. But there are plenty of ways to um, have extensions of the running game, whether that's a screen, whether that's just like a quick RPO. We're not really seeing any of those passes, any of those type of you know that type of creativity on offense where it's just like uh, we're going to do our stuff. We're going to run what we run. But last week, it was like, we're just going to lean on our rookie for everything and not make life easy on him. And I I did not like the game plan. I thought that there were a few things that Shanahan did well, just as far as going back to the um, back to the wheelhouse in some passing game concepts that did, that did work earlier on. But uh, it left a lot to be desired. Let's just say that. Right, yeah, so the 49ers right now rank 11th in the NFL when it comes to uh, rushing yards a game. They only have about 122, which does seem really, really low. I'd have to go back and see where they were last year to kind of get some context for it. Let me see if this play thing has like a year slider. It doesn't look like it does. Um, but it, it seems like the 49ers have made a habit of being, you know, like a team that's in like the, a top five in that stat, especially on a good year like Jeffrey was referring to when you're talking about 2019. And it's just one more thing that seems just a little off. I'm not really sure. I'm going to go back to 2019 while I've got this little slider up here because I really want to see what they were when they were firing on all cylinders. Yep, second in the league in rushing yards per game. The last time they had a legitimate quarterback and a good team, uh, yeah, they were second in the league in rushing. So – I don't know why they've gotten away from that, especially when you've got a rookie quarterback out there. It's just that to me is a good question, contrary to your tweet, and just kind of alludes to some of the problems that they're having. Or, But again, you know, you kind of look at the position group. Elijah Mitchell looks good, hurt his shoulder, he's missed some time. Jamichael Hasty looked pretty good, hurt his ankle, or ankle, right? Yep, high ankles, right? Yep, he'll miss some time. Um, they're brand new rookie. And Trey Sermon, they don't seem like they really trust him. I think he got one carry against the Cardinals. Uh, you know, so Jeff Wilson Jr., he might be coming back semi-soon. Uh, Raheem Mostert, season-ending injury. So I guess I shouldn't be too hard on them for not running the ball when that group has taken those kinds of injuries. 
But at the same time, Shanahan's also built this reputation of I can take any running back and do the damn thing. And if you look at Elijah Mitchell, it seems like that is still happening. So um, I don't know. It's tough to say. I, but I definitely think that's one of those questions where it's okay to say I don't know because I certainly don't have the answer when it comes to getting away from something that Kyle Shanahan just kind of like seemed was like an immovable part of his his philosophy. Yeah, and I think I think this is a question where there's not just one answer. So when you watch Kyle Shanahan's offenses, especially over the last few years, they will run that outside zone stuff, and then they'll build off play action with it. It's very simple, and we're not seeing that this year. We're not seeing you know Debo Samuel run behind the defense off play action. Like sure, it happens every now and then, but um, not to the level that you would expect, or not to the level that we have seen in the past few years. And um, that was Kendrick Bourne before. And for whatever reason, they are not using that like slot receiver um, in the same usage as they were previously. And maybe the lack of running game is is just because they don't have a horse in Raheem Mostert, who right. was turning those, you know, three, four or five yard gains into, I don't know, 40, 50, 60 yard gains. But again, yeah, it's not just one person still, though. They had a week to prepare uh, a week to put together a game plan for Trey Lance. And it was not the game plan that you would have thought that they would have put out there. No, no, it did not. It just seemed like like somebody slapped Trey Lance on the butt and was like, hey, man, good luck. Yep. <laughs> that was it. That was it. All right, we got AA Ron at Burn Unit. Let's get this question in since I've already started reading the tag, and then we'll get a quick word in from our sponsors, and then we'll finish this thing off. But uh, AA Ron at Burn Unit, another friend of the pod. Why is the national media so hard on Trey Lance not being ready but not other rookies. Why are other rookie quarterbacks expected to get better with more playing experience, but Trey Lance is expected to get better on the bench? Great I think it's yeah, it is a good question because I have seen a lot of that. I mean, all I could kind of do is tell you where I, my experience is. And, and, and if anybody's been listening to the pod for a while, I was very, very much okay with keep, keeping Jimmy Garoppolo and allowing Trey Lance to kind of develop under him but that was all under the expectation that Jimmy Garoppolo would look solid with yet another in this in gear in the system, healthy, ready to go, you know, had plenty of playmakers around him. Uh, nothing had really, you know, maybe a slight upgrade on the offensive line, although I'm not sure we've seen that come to fruition. Um, I was fine with Trey Lance backing up Jimmy Garoppolo so long as Jimmy Garoppolo was giving you the solid performance via the experience that you would expect once we saw through the first few games of the season that Jimmy Garoppolo was not really performing at a level that to me made it worth putting off Trey Lance's development. And he got hurt minor injury, but he got hurt, which is what he does. Mm -hmm. And Trey Lance came in and to me looked solid for what he was asked to do. And for the amount of time he had to prepare, I was pretty impressed with Trey Lance. At that time, like I think it should be him going forward. So that being said, to kind of ref you know refocus on your question, why would the national media be so hard on Trey Lance for not being ready? I don't know. I've seen some really good national media takes that say, "Hey, like, sure, it was rough at times, but there's some stuff to like about what he did." Not to mention when you consider the lack of execution around him as well. But I've seen other other rookie quarterbacks take it in the teeth too. Trevor Lawrence has gotten shit through the national media. 
Zach Wilson has certainly gotten shit. <laughs> right. Zach media. Wilson's a punching bag. <laughs> right. And and Mac Jones has been solid. So he's gotten some praise. But still, I've seen him make some dumb mistakes too. I don't know, man. I mean, have would you say that people have been hard on Trey Lance? Yeah, I think so. And and I when they get called out for it, they tend to walk it back a little bit. Um, what I've seen is so I think people just expected the 49ers were a quarterback away from, you know, just blowing this bad boy open and just being an undefeated team. I think that you look at you look at the roster, you look at who the coach uh, who the coach is, and all of those happen. You know that the team traded up for Trey Lance. So when that happens, there's more pressure thinking, hey, this guy's ready, ignoring all the context, ignoring that, you know, you mentioned Jimmy Garoppolo being the starting quarterback. When that happens, uh, Trey Lance was essentially the scout team quarterback for the first month of the season during training camp. Uh, he was getting reps, but it was with the second team. It wasn't as if he was preparing to be the starter. So uh, he he basically last week was the first time since like he was with the 49ers that he took reps with the starters for multiple days in a row. So when you factor all that in, of course, he's not going to be ready. He's 20 freaking one years old. Um, he He's already gotten so much better, I think, um, in from the first couple series when he played against Seattle to just the last series against Arizona. So um, he's going to have to go through those growing pains and those growing pains are going to be inevitable. And there there's absolutely a hundred percent going to be plays where you're like, what the hell was that at the same time? Um, there, there are going to be plays where you're like, wow. And we've seen those already. So I don't know. I, there's, there's always lacking context when we're talking about players. It's so easy to, to write their obituaries after one start or after one game or after one throw that you don't like. And it's easy to stick to that, which you just recently saw and ignore all the context. So I don't know why, uh, but it's really not anything new that people just constantly overreact. Yep. That's what it is, man. It's, it's just a, a unwillingness to embrace any sort of context or minutia or the fact that something doesn't have to be black and white. And I think I said on last week's pod, I'm like, dude, bring me all of Trey Lance's struggles and boneheaded plays and growing pains. Like, I want to see them. I'm looking forward to seeing them because that is the fucking natural growth right. of any player in the NFL. Nobody just comes in and is like the absolute man from day one. Like, I enjoy seeing all that. And I can just tell you by the way the guy talks and carries himself that he's not just going to like, turtle up and and say okay maybe i don't have it like i'm looking forward to seeing all that shit and and it doesn't mean that he's you know every interception won't mean that he's a shit quarterback it means like the dude has to learn in one of the hardest learning environments on the planet and it is what it is man i'm looking forward to that shit and i don't think you need to be hard on him obviously don't sugarcoat it but part of those struggles like i'm looking forward to embracing him just seeing Lamar went through those same things, man. Josh Allen went through those same struggles. Josh Allen is a perfect example. You know, like, dude was was getting drug for the – especially the first year, a good chunk of the second year, but kind of as that second year unfolded, everybody's like, holy, okay. Like, there's some things in that third year. Everybody was like, oh. You know, so heaven forbid a person get better with experience. It's weird. Even like Daniel Jones, like to an extent, like this year, he's gotten so much better, but he had to play through a lot of crap and he was responsible for a lot of that crap that he put on tape. So expecting these guys to come in and just 
be able to hit the ground running without any struggles right away is really naive. And yeah, it takes nuance. These guys have to grow through and see a lot. But you think about what he, what Trey Lance has gone through. Um, again, he hasn't played football in like two years. So going from what he, like North Dakota State, to the Arizona Cardinals, who have not lost a game, who have J.J. Watt, who have Chandler Jones, who have Buda Baker, who have just a really fast team, and they show a lot of different looks. Like, of course, there's going to be a struggle, but it's not about. It was never about his first start, and that's I think where people are so frustrated as far as fans go. But we want to see um, the process. We want to see everything unfold. And is he going to get better from game one to game four to game eight to game twelve? Like that's what really matters. Right, man. Can you imagine putting together this season he did in 2019 in college, playing one game in 2020, and then the next time you start a game, J.J. Watt and Chandler Jones are staring at you from across the line. Like, wow. Terrifying. (laughs) Here we are. Right. (laughs) You know, how did we get here? But that's – I mean, that's stuff that needs to be considered. Like, the fact that he didn't crumble – is a win in and of itself because that is just being thrown to the wolves in the most extensive you know, way of saying it, and especially when you look at how the game unfolded and what it seemed like Trey Lance was having to do. Like that shit was wild for a rookie quarterback. But let's uh, – we'll move on to the next question. After a quick word from our sponsors, you already know what it is, over there at TickPick. 49ers football is finally back. And – There's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find 49ers tickets anymore because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site and the only one you'll ever need as your go-to for all NFL tickets. TickPick got rid of all of those awful service fees that the other ticket sites charge, which lets them guarantee the best prices on all of their NFL tickets. If you don't believe it, you can find If you can find better prices for the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. 49ers, this week, they're going to have their buy. Technically, I guess it's, no, yeah, it's this weekend. It's this week. They're on their buy, but then they're going back to Levi's Stadium to face the Colts. So get on TickPick. Get a, be a part of the game. Levi's Stadium has been, you know, although the 49ers haven't been winning, Levi's Stadium has been bringing it. So make sure you... Uh, get your tickets and be a part of that action visit tickpick.com slash gold today and use the promo code gold to save ten dollars on your first order of 49ers tickets can't believe i said that without fumbling it i'm excited um because <laughs> trying to say promo code and then follow that with gold it, i'll end up saying cold all day every day but we got it we're good We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Okay. Next question from Trey to the Bay at CPOY Jet. That's comeback player of the year, Jet McKinnon, who now yes. plays for yes. who now plays for the Chiefs and is doing something a game, maybe one or two things. Why does it seem like there is a concert concentrated effort to not play young guys outside of Elijah Mitchell? Okay, so. I, I sorted the 49ers roster in terms of young guys. Uh, Aaron Banks hasn't even been active for a game yet. The 49ers second round rookie offensive lineman from Notre Dame. Not great, Bob, but we'll see. Talanoa Hufanga, their fifth round rookie safety, if I'm getting the round right, um, has has been in games. He's played, and he was getting after Kyler Murray in the last game. Uh, I haven't gone through and, and grinded the tape or anything. Uh, Trey Lance played a little bit, did his thing. Diamador Lenore has played a little bit by all, by all accounts has impressed considering his, his draft status and expectations. Elijah Mitchell played a lot. Jalen Moore came in to replace Trent Williams when he was hurt. I didn't really see how those snaps went. Did you? I did a little bit. Like he was fine, but he held his own. Yeah, he did. He he looked confident, but Jalen Moore not playing is a very good thing. Right, yeah, yeah, because he's kind of considered the the backup swing tackle, I think, right now. Trey Sermon could probably get a little bit more playing time than he's getting, uh, but same kind of one of those things we're not necessarily there for. Um, I don't know. I don't know what's going on inside the building when it comes to why Trey Sermon, a third-round running back that they sacrificed two fourth-round picks to get, um, isn't playing. Don't know. Ambry Thomas has seen some snaps, ups and downs, Taking his lumps. I don't know, man. Is, is the jury still out? I mean, obviously, the jury has to be still out. We're talking about a rookie. But he is a third rounder, so. I don't think they want him to play. Right. Which is Just based on the moves that they're making, based on, you know, how the rotation is going. It's true. It's true because, I mean, you've got Drake Kirkpatrick stepping in there. You've got Josh Norman stepping in there. They've done everything they can to, to keep him off the field. You've got Dante Johnson coming in in the slot who actually played well last game. You know, and I have a lot of respect for Dante Johnson. What people don't realize is, no, he probably isn't a person you want starting, although he made what should have been a game-changing play. Um, 
against the Cardinals, forcing that fumble and then recovering it himself. But you don't spend that much time in the NFL and suck. Or, or you know, have no use, I guess I should say it. You know, I, I have a lot of respect for, for how long Dante Johnson's been in the NFL. I think he was drafted in 14. Let me see. Let me make sure I got that. Uh, I think it's it was 14 or 15. I think that's right. Yeah, 14. So, like, bro, the average NFL career is like three and a half years. Right. The dude's in year eight. Like, there's, there's no way to hate on that, man. That's that's pretty impressive. Um, so, I mean, we could go through the, the year one and two guys. But for the most part, the rookie class has gotten quite a bit of action, I would say. That wasn't necessarily, you know. Jawan Jennings, he's been out there, but that's a seventh-round receiver that made the roster. Uh, you can't necessarily expect him to break through a, a crowded group that he's playing underneath. Brandon Ayuk, probably we'll talk about that more later, or at the very least next week. Who knows what's going on with him? Definitely weird. Demetri Flanag- Demetrius Flanagan-Foles, he's out there. Um, part of that linebacker rotation, Javon Kinlaw does things. Charlie Warner, eh. But again, you got you to also take into account where they were drafted, what they're expected to do, right? I imagine uh, most of this is because of like Aaron Banks. Um, yeah, right. I'm not trying to like shut down your question at all. I, hopefully this doesn't come off that way. But it was interesting for me right now to go through the list of younger players and see quite a few of them are playing quite a bit or at least an acceptable amount by, I mean, standards, I guess. What do you think, man? So no Aaron Banks, your second rounder. No Ambry Thomas. And not, you're right. Sermon really doesn't play. So they traded up for Sermon and the six rounder is essentially just better than him at this point. Let's call it, you know, a spade a spade. For sure. And then, you know, you traded up for a quarterback and Trey Lance was not ready to perform. Or I guess he, he looked like a player who just hadn't practiced very much, which, of course, when you're not a starting quarterback, you're not going to get reps. So naturally, you're not going to look that prepared. So I think all of that comes into play when you're talking about the young guys, probably a little bit of that is due to Ayuk as well, um, especially, you know, with just losing, I don't want to say losing a spot, but losing reps to, you know, veteran guys who have been in the league for quite a, quite a long time. So I think all of that, you know, comes into play when you're talking about the young guys. But at the same time, you know, this is a veteran team. And when you do have veterans, when you have a team that is surrounded by players who have been around a long time, you don't want to rely on a guy like Diamador Lenore, who was playing well. But he was also giving up plays, and he was giving up touchdowns. And that is one thing that the 49ers cannot do. Like, how you sustain good defense is by not allowing explosive plays, and that's what Lenore was doing. I think he had 15 targets, and he, he surrendered over 150 yards in the games, the two games that he had extensive playing time in the Packers and Seahawks. So uh, that's why he was not playing. So I understand that. So that type of context has to matter as well. But, I, I mean – I don't really have an argument for the whole Trey Lance thing because he should have definitely been getting at, at least, you know, 20, 30% of the reps. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, that's, it was a great question. Trey to the Bay. Um, it just, you know, getting, looking at the roster like that and going through the young players, you know, really does kind of highlight a lot of these positions. They're having to rely on some younger guys a bit more than they'd probably like to, but it is what it is. And that's position the, the team puts themselves in this position um, with their depth, and you can tell they hedge their bets a little bit with some of these position groups and hoping that they wouldn't sustain the injuries that they have in years past. And then that injury bug kicked in the door and said, oh, yeah. And, I'm uh, back. Right. Y'all thought it wasn't coming back? So, you know, 
it's been interesting, but there are definitely some high, to your point, Trey, uh, there are definitely some high profile young players that aren't playing that should be playing, uh, you know, and, and we'll see how that evolves throughout the season. All right. Next, we got Brian Carter, 99 at Brian PNW 99. Why the heck is Travis Benjamin getting snaps over Brandon Ayuk and Trent Shearfield and Jawan Jennings? Not fast, can't separate, and committed a holding penalty. How dare you, Travis Benjamin, ever <laughs> hold anybody? Um, but, again, a valid question. Uh, I know they mentioned like, like a speed element, but KP, if, if Brandon Ayuk raced, or Trent Sherfield, Brandon Ayuk and Trent Sherfield and Travis Benjamin raced, do you think Travis Benjamin would win? I do not. I think maybe six years ago he might have. But this is not the same Travis Benjamin. And think about it. Teams know who Travis Benjamin is. Like They know if he's going to get be in the game, they're probably going to take a shot. And there were a few plays during the game that showed that where Benjamin would be in and the cornerback would literally just start running off because he knew who <laughs> Travis Benjamin was going to go deep. Like I, I have the play in mind. And I'm thinking like, oh, come on, man. Was like, If I know that's coming, they probably know that's coming. So um, the uh, – you're not. You're kind of giving it away by putting Benjamin out there. To be fair, that holding was on Trey Lance. I don't think that was a Benjamin fault, just because it seemed like the run was designed to go inside of uh, the Benjamin's block, and he just bounced it, so it looked bad on Benjamin's side. But I, I have no, um, no idea why he's not playing. I have no idea how you go through a game, a week of preparation, and think, you know what? I'd rather give the 150-pound receiver more targets than the first-round receiver that I traded up for. So uh, <laughs> don't have much of a take for that because, again, Ayuk is open often, and he should get the ball often. Yeah, and even Trent Sherfield, man. Like, he had the offseason uh, from heaven and seemed like he earned those snaps. And even Kyle Shanahan and during the, the beginning of the season said that Trent Sherfield was earning those snaps because he just straight-up thought he was better than Brandon Ayuk. What happened? Did Travis right. Benjamin just come out of nowhere and shit on both of them? I I don't really, I don't get it, man. I think it's a great question, Brian. I I don't know what's going on with this 49ers receiving core. I don't know what Brandon Ayuk has not done to justify he's getting the snaps. He's not that far behind with Debo Samuel when it comes to snaps, but something about where the throws are supposed to go. Uh, you know, the order of the reads, the progressions. Brandon Ayuk's kind of getting left out, and I don't know why. I really don't, because every time the dude gets thrown to, it's like a crazy play. Like, the two catches he made against the Cardinals were both ridiculous. And ridiculous throws from Trey Lance, ridiculous catches from Brandon Ayuk. I think I can say that's the first time I've ever seen a receiver hold a DB off with his right arm and then catch it with his body in his. That was so arm. good. Like it was like that's some truly just showboating type shit. Like I'll never forget the time I lived in an apartment complex with my little brother that was nestled inside of an old, uh, like retired golf course. But all the grass was still in decent shape. Uh, they had to keep mowing it because you know for fire stuff. And so me and Brett, right out of my, right out of our, our back off our back balcony was like a par three fairway. And we would uh, we would go out there and run routes all the time, all the time, man. He, I, it was such a good workout. 
And so we're do we're sitting there running routes, and Brett was a great quarterback. He always hit, you know, put put good throws on me. Well, this dude hops the little fence between us and the apartment complex next to us. Hops the fence, uh, just kind of a, an average looking white dude, maybe five eleven, one hundred and sixty pounds, just kind of whatever. Immediately goes, hey man, throw me a little, throw me a little post. And then Brett's like, all right. And Brett throws it, and the dude speeds up, outruns the ball, and then catches it with both hands behind his back. And then, like, hung out with us, ran some more routes, but ended up being, like, I think he played on, like, some arena league and, like, was just making ridiculous catches for, like, 30 minutes. And we were like, what the fuck just happened? Like, this dude just jumped the fence and, like, knew what the hell he was doing. <laughs> so, I don't and, – and I get that, like, Brandon Ayuk, is, he showed up his rookie year and was, like, the same thing. Like, just showed up and did the damn thing. And now, all of a sudden, like, what did he do to – like how? Like what is this next step that John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan say that Brandon Ayuk has not taken? Sounds like he needs to be a better practice player. Sounds like he needs to do better in film and like in the meetings. Sounds like he needs to run harder routes. Like I don't. Outside of that, I'm not sure because at first he was you know he wasn't blocking very well, and then he started blocking well, and he earned more playing time because of it. Because two weeks ago, John Lynch said he earned more playing time. So what changed in those two weeks? Because he's still getting open. He's still trying very hard. He's still running routes that are still, honestly, better than anybody else on the team. So, yeah, I have I have a hard time um, understanding what they want. I, I wish I would love to be a fly in the wall knowing what they're telling Brandon Ayuk behind closed doors. Because I think that I understand the old school style of thinking where, you know, you're pushing this guy. You want him to be better. But in today's day and age, especially with social media, this comes off as public shaming. And that could have a guy shut down. And that's the last thing you want. And, of course, he's a professional athlete. And they're not intentionally doing this. But the way that, you know, a fan especially will read their language, will read, read, easy for me to say, just their messaging, it seems like um, there are just so many better ways to address how they're handling Brandon Ayuk's situation. And it's not as if they're winning. It's not as if the offense is clicking on all cylinders. They need Brandon Ayuk. And if he wasn't open, I would totally understand this. But that's not the case. Also, you have a freaking genius play caller, supposedly, right? Who has never struggled to get guys open. Who has never struggled to get far lesser talents open. So design a game plan for the wide receiver that you traded up for. And then if he's not coming through for you then, that's when we can talk about not taking the next step. But um, what, what's the most times he's been targeted in the game this year? It can't be over uh, he's, two he, or three. Yeah, there's no chance he has more than like five targets in a game. So I don't know how you can sit here and tell us that he hasn't taken the next step when the targets that he should be getting are going to players who are far less talented than him. Um, big problem going on in on Ayuk Island. Well, and, and the, the longer I coach, the more I realize you can't coach every player the same. And, and also I think true. It, it's, and I, I can't, uh, in Green Bay, he has, he had, no, wait, is that this year? He had six targets against Green Bay and four catches. I guess he did have this one game against Green Bay, but every other game other than that, it's been two, three, four, zero, zero, sense. two, three, four. So I don't know. Cause he didn't play against Detroit, but, um, or did he? Yeah, he did. Yeah, he, he just played. went out they there and returned, and that ball. was it. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Holy shit. Um. 
Yeah, you can't coach every player the same. And I'm not absolving Brandon Ayuk of all responsibility. I have no idea what's going on in that locker room with him. Uh, but, like, there has to be – and, dude, before I forget about this, I do agree with you with the shit they say over the media. They know that the most tumultuous quote is instantly what's going to be grabbed by everybody that you say it. And, of course, that was Brandon Ayuk needs to take the next step. And – I don't know how he would react, but I could see a high probability of him reading that going, man, fuck these guys. Yeah. Like, you know, right. It's like, it's just be careful because you don't, I don't know, man. It's, it's tough because a player has a responsibility to mesh with the organization and, and, and figure out how to, how to do what it takes to win. But at the same time, a coach has a responsibility to mesh with the player and figure out what motivates them. And what can you know, get the most out of them? And right now, I I feel like both people might be like missing each other on the way by, you know, like absolutely. What have, I don't know. What have what has Shanahan or Lynch done um, to be able to call Ayuk out like this? Seriously, like right. You would think that for them to be able to make comments like that, there had to have been several things that have happened before this point, right? Like person, you know one-on-one meetings with position coaches, meetings with the head coach. You know, I'm not going to say he needs to meet with the GM. That's not really his job. But Lynch is a little unique in the fact that he's been there and done that at a a Hall of Fame level. Um, I don't know, man. You just think that for these comments to be being made, a lot of other things have happened and been discussed before this point, right? It wouldn't like they'd be coming out of left field with it. Absolutely not. But, again, it feels like it's been going on for – well, it has been going on all season. Um, we are a month and a half into this, and we still have not gotten anywhere, which is a problem. Yeah, it is. It is. It, you're, I don't know. I do feel like no matter what, the 49ers aren't in a position to just neglect playmakers. Like, sorry, he's not doing what it takes. Well, bro, you're fucking losing. Yep. So this guy needs to be out there catching touchdowns for you, especially when George Kittle is hurt again. So – yeah. Anyways, let's move on. Let's move on. Alan Chi at AG Chi, another friend of the pod. Appreciate you, bro. What kind of damning evidence does Daniel Brunskill have over Kyle Shanahan? Aaron Banks didn't look good in preseason and isn't ready to start, but but he can't be any worse than Brunskill, right? At least he'd get valuable snap and work towards the future. I don't. This is outside of my wheelhouse, and I just haven't seen enough of Aaron Banks whether it's in practice or in the preseason to know, you know, maybe that 0.0 pro football focus grade was <laughs> maybe Kyle Shanahan saw that and was like, what, the, what, what do I do? Um, I don't know, man. And I also just, you know, and I think this is reasonable. I haven't just really stared at Daniel Brunskill enough to know how replaceable he would be. Um, I don't know. You got any, any more solid takeaways from, from the offensive line? Than I do. I mean, Brunsko has not been great. There's no doubt about that. Kyle Shannon said that Banks, he said a few weeks ago that, you know, scout team is good for Banks and that he needs to get into playing shape and that, you know, it seemed like he came in a little heavier than they expected. Well, yeah, he's 335 freaking pounds. What did you think? <laughs> um, so maybe their scouting was off on Banks, but at the same time, what did you expect with that body type? I'm not going to pretend like, yeah, I, I'm watching practice and I'm knowing how Banks has progressed or how Brunskill is doing in their minds. Uh, right guard was always going to be a problem this year. Even for like rookies, 
rookie offensive linemen generally just do not perform well. It's one of the hardest positions to trans, you know, to translate to because you're going against like the best of the best. Like in the NFL, the best athletes are usually on the defensive line, and that is not easy for offensive line to go against. So um, I understand why they're kind of slow rolling Aaron Banks. I don't think that, you know, who knows if he's an upgrade over Daniel Brunskill. I'm not sure that that's the biggest problem, you know, up front or just on the offense either, honestly. Right. Right. Yep. Tough to say. All right. Last on this thread, and then we got a few more um, on on the the tweet I posted a little later this evening. Why is Kyle Shanahan not putting Trey Lance under center? He was mostly under center in college. I understand utilizing some pistol and shotgun for read options, but not being under center takes away what makes Shanahan's offense great play action. It's a good question. That And that's one of the things that I was talking about where, you know, with Jimmy, they would fake that outside zone and they would, whether it's outside zone, whether it's mid zone, and he would be able to turn his back on the defense, get play action and throw right behind the linebackers. We didn't really see any of that on Sunday. And it was primarily shotgun. And that's usually not what they do. And when you are in shotgun, especially not in the pistol, the defense can essentially set the formation away from the running back and say, all right, we know you're going to run to this side. That's one of the benefits of being under center. So uh, you can be able to go both ways. So, yeah, he, uh, they kind of handcuffed themselves there. Uh, not sure why we did not see the normal offense. Uh, great question. We would need to ask Mr. Shanahan that. I know, man. I, I obviously don't want to just uh, cop out to that every time. But this is one of those things that, that would be something that I feel like he would give a really good answer in a press conference if someone said, like, you know, one of Trey Lance's biggest selling points, and that doesn't mean it is to Kyle, but one of his biggest selling points by your average average draft analyst was that he played a lot of under center in a pro friendly style, whatever word you want to use there, offense um, that would translate really well to the next level. And it seemed like the 49ers didn't really have any interest in that, despite, like Rob said, that kind of playing into Shanahan's offense. So I don't know. That game was just so weird on so many different levels. And that's just another one. Like, here, it's all on you, Trey Lance, but we're not going to do maybe what you're used to doing. I don't know. I know it's not that simple. And the man himself, like KP said, would have a much, much better answer than I do. But just one more odd thing. That's kind of my best way of describing it. There have been so many odd, unexpected things about the 49ers so far this season that I just – can't put my finger on it. you know i i just can't quantify it i don't know i don't know let's keep going though got a couple more chloe in parentheses probably Pro- this is probably chloe hopefully this is chloe if it's not <laughs> chloe you know so i'm i'm sorry uh do you think kyle shanahan is on the hot seat for his record a lot of his decisions make sense if he's coaching to keep his job if this season goes below 500 Losing seasons in four out of five years has to test Jed's patience. I don't think KP. Do you have any immediate thoughts on this? Hmm. He's not going anywhere. Uh, I don't. I don't think so either. Like he's not doing as bad as you know people would lead you to believe. And when I say people, just the the natural reaction when you lose three games, everybody wants to point a finger at somebody. When you lose three games, it's going to fall on the head coach. I understand why that is fair. Uh, there is a lot going on. Uh, 
with this 49ers roster and it all does not fall on Kyle Shanahan. And I don't think that it's fair to assume that, hey, lose, blame guy. And that's just not how football works. Uh, there's a lot going on, as I mentioned. I don't know, man. I, I don't really have too much to add here just because it, it goes back to how we thought they would be at the beginning of the season. I think that's where most most of the backlash is coming from. Like the expectation was like four and one or even five and zero oh in some people's mind. And because that hasn't happened, that's why um, it's just, hey, what is going on? It's Kyle Shanahan's fault. Right. I do. I don't think he's on the hot seat. Not 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 really even close. But I do think there is a there's just an added element right now where and, and it's not coming from ownership, but there's just an added level of frustration. And I'm not even going to say it's because they're losing. I've seen this 49ers team lose a lot and it never really felt like this. I think that goes back to the fact that, like we said earlier, they're underperforming. Something is wrong. That and, and I think that's probably why we've seen a more tense, uh, impatient, maybe a little ruder Kyle Shanahan. Obviously, he's upset because he's losing. But I think he knows more than anybody, and I think he's already said it in one of his most recent press conferences, like, I've got to find a way to make this team play better because the team should be playing better, whether right. it's Trey Lance or Kyle Shanahan – or, excuse me, Trey Lance or Jimmy Garoppolo. Kyle Shanahan has got an offense led by Nick Mullins – and C.J. Beathard to play pretty well. The team still lost, but they were playing. The offense was still decent under those guys, and there's no excuse for the offense with this 49ers team, especially with how many chances we've seen the 49ers defense give the offense for them not to be coming through. So there's something wrong. Kyle Shanahan knows it. That's why he seems different, and that's why this whole season just has a weird feeling to me is – the underperforming, and I, I, don't, I think Jed has evolved into a smart enough and mature enough owner to know that something's wrong, but he would also be smart enough to know that there really are, isn't a head coach out there that doesn't have to deal with things being off. Like, the first example that comes to mind is Mike Tomlin. Like, dude, that guy is held on to his job, and rightfully so, for a long-ass time because I believe he's never had a losing season. And, but, but there's still been, have been so many times where you know that there's something wrong with the Steelers or they're going through their lumps, but they've always find, found a way to at least write the ship to an extent and be pretty solid. So I don't think, I don't think Jed York would view this team going through issues as a reason to put Kyle Shanahan on the hot seat more as this is just the natural evolution of coaching in the NFL and how quickly you adjust course and react to it kind of determines the caliber of head coach you are, if all of that rambling made any sense. It did. It was a great rambling. Oh, and thanks, it actually I – th I think a lot of what you said is true, just because uh, we always want to point the finger. Um, we have to look at – we have to break it down into little parts because um, there are times when it's not his fault. The quarterback doesn't make plays. The running back doesn't make plays. The offensive line like, – it's not his fault that the right tackle missed – four blocks on eight plays. Like, what are you supposed to do about that? Uh, you can't coach around some of those things. Um, there are other times where guys are open and Trey Lance didn't hit them. Uh, guys are open and his rookie quarterback, you know, whether he dropped his eyes or just made, you know, mental mistakes that rookies are going to make. So um, it, it doesn't always come back to him. It can't always be blamed on him. Why can't the head coach get credit for naming D'Amico Ryan's the defense coordinator and the defense playing very well? 
or just some of the credit, some of the good things that the offense has done. Uh, it, it's not all, you know, negative Nancy when it comes to Kyle Shanahan. That's a good point. I like it. I like it. And last but certainly not least, we've got Sleepy Zoid at Sleepy Zoid. Kyle Shanahan has been viewed as an offensive coordinating genius, or however you would word it. But does he actually develop players and have others overtaken him on play call or design? I know you're a bit more of a scheme guy than me, man. Do you? What do you think? I mean, I thought Sean Payton and Andy Reid were always the guys that, the way people talk about Shanahan and McVay, I think that they were talking about Sean Payton and Andy Reid um, just because, you know, Shanahan and McVay, they do some really good things, but it's really all off their outside zone stuff. It's not as if, you know, they're doing this this wildly creative stuff. They just get guys open on the second level, and they're very efficient doing so. Um, I don't think really anything has changed in this offense, so – uh, no, I don't think uh, I don't think anybody's overtaken him in that sense. Just as far as developing guys go, um, it goes back to like Ayuk and just how the tough love, uh, the tough love coaching has happened, has worked. But at the same time, like look at Elijah Mitchell, like he's playing very well for a rookie. Um, there are some young players on the other side of the ball on the defense where again they're playing very well. So I don't really think that. It's always going to come down to, you know, how your stars, your quote unquote stars, your early round draft picks are performing. And we see Trey Lance and at the in his first start, they're thinking because he looked that way, <laughs> Shannon, you know, didn't look or hasn't developed players because of one start. You're ignoring a lot when you say that. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think Shanahan has shown a consistent ability to develop players. And I think a lot of players have fallen through the net under Shanahan, but nobody's 100% in this business, not even close. You know, you look at just the general manager position and selecting players, it's like a professional baseball player. Like if you can genuinely hit on one-third of your players, just like if a player can hit one-third of the baseball is thrown his way, you're like a Hall of Famer, you know. And the same thing goes for coaches. You can't develop every player that's why countless times we've seen a player leave one situation leave one coach go to another and thrive it's just because we're all human beings and everybody's different man and everybody responds to something else and you know Kendrick Bourne and Debo Samuel might thrive under Kyle Shanahan's coaching but Dante Pettis and knock on wood Brandon Ayuk not saying that he will might not it's just fucking humans and in the end, that's what football comes down to is it's a game played by human beings. And that adds an, an unknown element to it. So it's hard to quantify it sometimes. You know, it's not always a number that that make that gets you back to the I don't know questions. You're like, fuck, I don't know. So the last and it's not really a question, but the last comment I have on here is from Peter Lucas at Peter Lucas 8. So glad to hear KP will back be back on. I love you, Rob. But y'all got chemistry. So <laughs> that's great. It's true, man. It's true. It was a, it was a, it was a bummer to have to cut KP Luke's, but Hey man, we all got jobs. They all got rules. Shit happens. I'm just going to, uh, I'm going to, I promise you guys to push the boundary of how often I can have KP on here before someone tries to talk to him again, or he tells me <laughs> that I need to pay him under the table. So love it. So, something along those lines, but I think that's pretty solid. I think that's a great return to the mailbag episode. That's the first time we've hit over an hour on striking gold in a minute. 
And it was a quick hour. I enjoyed it. Those are some good questions. They were. I, I thought they were very like thought provoking, very like in tune questions. And none of them really seemed like, you know, like takey or, you know, like knee jerk reactions or anything. So they're also questions. things that everybody's like, that's on everybody's mind right now. Yep. 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 Um, I guess my, my closing thoughts would be, it wouldn't, I'm at like this weird predicament where it wouldn't surprise me if the 49ers continue to struggle. And I don't think they'll necessarily get worse. I don't think that they can really, I don't, I don't think we're at that point short of injuries that obviously changes everything. I don't think the 49ers will necessarily get worse. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if they continue to struggle like they are, but I think I'm leaning towards a direction. It also wouldn't surprise me if they just start to get their shit together. Um, they've got very winnable games throughout the season. Every single team in their division is beatable for the 49ers. They could beat the Rams. They could beat the Cardinals. We've seen that they could beat the Seahawks. We've even seen that. Um, it, it just hold off on the panic. I know it's not necessarily positive, but I could easily see this team, especially a team that's been slapped in the face. Like, hey, you thought you were good, but here you are, two and three. So figure it out. Wouldn't surprise me if they got it together. What are your little, uh, your little, what's your little sign off? Yeah, I, I am very fascinated to see how this offense looks after the bye, and if they kind of get back to the basics. Or are they going to try to? You, know, you never want to really reinvent the wheel, but are they just going to add a couple of new concepts? that, you know, are easy for, whether it's Jimmy G, whether it's Trey Lance, to get the offense back on track, because that's what they have to do. They have to get back to what they do well, and that is running the football. That is playing off of the run the run game and playing with play action and getting easy throws for their quarterbacks, because it has not been easy. And in the Kyle Shannon offense, that's been his trademark. That's been, you know, his bread and butter. He's getting guys easy looks, and that's what they have to get back to. Yep, I'm with it. I'm with it. Hey, everybody, appreciate y'all. Thank you for the questions. Thank you for the great questions. Thank you for listening to Striking Gold for all the support uh, you've given us. I think we're slowly approaching episode 200. So, I mean, that's kind of a cool thing. Uh, I would be willing to bet that not a lot of podcasts make it that far. So I appreciate y'all for listening to Striking Gold on a weekly basis. But, hey, make sure you are downloading the episodes, subscribing to all the stuff, rating it, reviewing it, leaving comments if you feel so inclined. Uh, because that's the stuff that shows up on the Excel spreadsheets and all that good stuff. But I appreciate y'all. KP, man, it hasn't been that long, but maybe I guess it still feels like it has, and it was a pleasure to have you on, bro. Always, man. Thanks for having me You send me all those topics, bro. We'll have to get on and do it again next week. Yeah, we for sure will. 100%. This was great. Thanks for having me back. But you can't can't be on the fucking title, man. (laughs) (laughs) Your name cannot be on there, bro. Get it out of there. Yeah, yeah. Fucking asshole just trying to make something of yourself how dare you how dare you <laughs> all right anyways I'm like, i need to shut up so hey i appreciate y'all thank you for listening to strike and gold we fucking love you um i'm rob that's kp this is strike and gold we are signing out peace Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. 
If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.